Hello, everyone. I'm Ashley Tran, a Fidelity Investments Vice President Branch Leader based out of Tampa, Florida. And this is In The Money, where we bring you weekly trade ideas and option strategies based on current market insights. With me today, I have Jessica Inskip and Tony Zhang from Options Play. Jessica is the Director of Education and Product, and Tony is a Chief Strategist. They're both also frequent CNBC contributors. Jess, Tony, thank you both for joining us today. So happy to be here, Ashley. Great to see you again. Really looking forward to today's conversation. A lot to digest. Yeah, thank you so much, Ashley. It's great to be here. Looking forward to talking some markets. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to have you both. And today is Thursday, February 22nd, and there's been a lot to interpret in the markets as of late. After a stronger than expected inflation report, we saw a rally back after a small dip in U.S. stocks with our tech sector, of course, um, being an important player in that as AI remains a main character in that narrative. And as for the Fed, the continued resilient jobs data may have some impact on the central bank's plans and the Fed's decision this week to leave rates unchanged, left many investors with the feeling of cautious optimism, as we've seen sites of hikes being over, but don't have as much clarity on when we may see relief with rate cuts. So as you both mentioned, a lot to digest today. Let's break that down a little bit further and hear from our guest. And Tony, let's start with you on your thoughts on the macro environment. Yeah, thank you, Ashley. Even though we have a shortened week this week due to the holidays, certainly has been uh, no shortage of action this particular week on both sides. You know, last week we talked about the fact that um, there's quite a bit of exhaustion here on the market rally we've seen here to the uh, to the upper bound. You have a lack of market breadth, meaning a lack of participation from the majority of stocks on this market rally. There's negative divergence where we get higher highs in price in the equity indices, but momentum is no longer confirming these new highs. And this is increasing the risk of a pullback. And, and the start of this week, that's exactly what we saw. NVIDIA being a large driver of, of sentiment this particular week started off the week down nearly 9% intra-week, uh, only to see the earnings beat yesterday, last night, carry the stock up 15% so far as of today. And what that actually does is it further extends this dynamic that we've talked about over the past few weeks is that really you have these few mega cap tech names that are dragging the markets higher while the rest of the market is barely participating on this particular rally. And sell-offs in this type of market condition are happening extremely violently, extremely quickly that are only lasting one or two sessions. And then we're back to the kind of the grind or the melt-up that we're currently seeing in the equity markets and NVIDIA's earnings today is only extending that um, that dynamic in, that we're seeing currently in the markets. Now, last week, Jess brought up uh, an equal weight index, and she really wanted to see that equal weight index break out higher in order to get more confidence in this market rally. And we're seeing a little bit of that this particular week. And I think that lends a little bit of weight into uh, you know the bullish trend that we're currently seeing in the markets with the S&P printing a new high. But I think one, one thing that I do want to point out here to uh, viewers is that there's a bigger longer term risk that I'm currently paying attention to, which is small caps. If you look at a chart here, that I have up on the screen here of IWM, which is a small cap Russell 2000 ETF. As you can see, while the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ 100 continues to print new highs as these major tech names continue to drag the markets higher, small caps have failed to make a new high. And even on the back of today's strong sentiment is nowhere near its all-time highs. And this is 
currently being somewhat masked in our overall portfolios because as this huge shift we've seen towards passive investing over the past decade or so, these small cap portfolios or small cap companies have a smaller and smaller weight in our portfolios and they kind of get masked by the outperformance we're currently seeing here by the mega cap names. So if we look at the next chart here, which is a, a chart of the S of the small caps relative to the S&P 500, as you can see over the past five years, small caps continue to underperform, which means that its weight continues to get smaller and smaller in our portfolios. And sometimes we kind of forget about the small caps because we're so focused on the mega caps and that's what's driving uh, you know, the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ 100. But I think one thing that we have to remember is that 50% of, of Americans are employed by these small cap companies. So a very large percentage of our economy is still driven by the, um, the citizens of our country that are employed by these, by these smaller firms. And as these smaller firms get left behind, there's a larger overall risk to our economy and the consumers of, of uh, you know, uh, meaning the, the employees of these particular companies. And because if we start to see some of these smaller companies fail, and we do see a lot of these smaller companies have a, a worrying amount of debt that they've kind of accumulated over the past couple of years at lower interest rates that they may not be able to refinance at those same rates, those are some of the risks that I see with the overall economy in the long run. So that's something that I do want to flag here, even though in the short run, things look quite strong to the upside for equities. Yeah, thanks, Tony. That's a good reminder. We talked a lot about performance breadth in the market recently, and of course, the dangers or considerations of that. So uh, a good reminder and maybe a good time for investors to take a look at these small and mid caps for valuations and the roles that they play in our portfolios. So thanks for that. And Jess, let's move on to you and hear your thoughts. Absolutely. It's still an inflation story, and that's really the heart of what I'm personally trying to digest inclusive of all of the AI narrative that you made a point to. We can't ignore that NVIDIA beat earnings and that definitely attests to this real AI demand. So it's going to be interesting to see how that played out. But nonetheless, we did receive Fed minutes from the January meeting yesterday, and we had a hotter than expected CPI print, which we discussed last week. But we want to should digest these minutes just a little bit to get more insight because that is the inflation picture that we're all trying to digest, at least in my opinion. And there's confidence that policy rate has peaked. That was very clear and indicative within the notes from my perspective, but it's interesting what was there. So most of the group, they were being cautious. They didn't want to hurry into reducing rates. They believed data supported that cautious cautious approach. However, there were a few members that elevated some concerns because keeping interest rates higher for too long could be a harmful type of, of policy to keep in place. And that opinion seems a little less popular now. So that, that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, especially because these were notes from January and we've had some data since then. So a lot on inflation. But what I want to point out when we go to CPI is rents. So the cost of housing services, they thought that these were going to continue to fall because there was a, a deacceleration on rents and new leases. And unfortunately, despite that expectation, their report for January, it showed that rents increased by point. 
4% compared to the previous month. And it seems that perhaps it's due to that deacceleration, but it increased later more. So we were at 0.4. Now we got our next CPI print from these notes or post these notes to 0.6%. And that's suggesting that house's costs did not cool as expected. And that is certainly the lag effects of Fed policy. We know it takes a while before it goes into the system and us as consumers can feel it. But the concern is really on those rents. That's a major, major expense for a lot of consumers and something certainly, certainly to pay attention to for the overall inflation picture, which of course affects the broader market. Yeah, thanks, Jess. And I couldn't agree more with you around the lag effects that we're experiencing, particularly with housing and rents after the anomaly that we experienced during the pandemic with demand. So makes sense to see some ambiguity across the data here, and um, we'll, we'll see how that plays out in time. But now let's transition to my favorite part of the show, where our guests bring us their trade ideas what that trade is, how they got there, and the outcome potential. So, Tony, let's go back to you. What trade have you brought for us this week? Yeah, thank you so much, Ashley. And, you know, as equity markets grind to new all-time highs, there's a lot of stocks that are significantly bid up over the past few months to levels that are fairly overbought and, and over uh, overbought conditions and are trading at valuations that are based on historical averages well beyond their historical averages. And one particular stock that meets this criteria is GE. Uh, trading at prices that we haven't seen since 2017. It's it's at the highest valuation we've seen in over a decade. And in this particular case, I think the upside in a stock like this is fairly limited. And I think it's potentially some time to fade some of this strength, especially as we talk about some of the risks that we see with this market rally. So if we look at a long-term chart here for GE, what you see is that over the last uh, 18 months or so, GE has rallied over 200%. Now, what this has rallied up to is this major bearish trend line that has been in place since 2007, prior to the global financial crisis. So this is, first of all, a potential stopping point of this massive rally that we've seen over the last year and a half. And keep in mind that the momentum that we currently see on the short-term chart here, if we flip to a short-term chart of GE, is that it's been severely overbought here over the past few weeks. And I think this is, an, just from a statistical perspective, a potential opportunity where this pauses the, the, the rally that we've seen and potentially see a little bit of a pullback here on GE. But I think what's more concerning to me than the charts, which really gives us a good sense for timing, is really the fundamentals. GE is currently trading at over nearly 33 times forward earnings, which is the highest we've seen over the past 10 years by nearly 20%. So it's trading at roughly the same price we've seen since 2006 and 2000 I'm sorry 2016 and 2017 but GE was earning three times the profits it's earning today yet it's trading at the same price as it was back then and I think that really speaks to the fact that investors are quite optimistic here in GE potentially a little bit too optimistic especially if you consider the fact that Analysts are not expecting GE to return back to those EPS numbers that they earned in 2016 till about 2026, 2027. So we're really pricing ourselves based on what we expect this stock to be in the next two to three years based on uh, today. And I think that's just a little bit too overly optimistic at the moment. And I think that's an opportunity to potentially fade the strength that we've seen here a little bit too far, too fast. So if we look at the options on GE, Despite the fact that we're trading near seven-year highs, 
the implied volatility, the, the options currently are still quite expensive, which lends itself to selling options rather than buying options, which also at the same time aligns well with my overall neutral to bearish thesis here on GE, because uh, by selling options, you can profit even if the stock just stays where it is, even if it doesn't move significantly lower. So the trade structure that I want to use to try to profit from that is to go out to the March 2028th 20, weekly expiration. And I'm looking at selling the 150, 157 and a half call spread. And earlier today, you can collect about $3.13 in credits for this seven and a half dollar wide credit spread. And what this allows me to do is potentially profit that $313 per contract if GE stays below 150. It just has to stay below 150, just around where the price it's trading here right now in order to make that full profit. And the risk that I take uh, to, to trade a structure like this is about $437 per contract if GE is above 157 and a half. In this particular case, my risk to reward ratio is just a little bit under one and a half to one in this particular case. I'm risking a little bit more than one and a half times what I can potentially make. But in this particular case, if GE just stays put or moves a little bit lower, I'll be able to realize my full profits. And only if GE continues to take off substantially from here, do I have that full loss potential of that $437 per contract. Thanks, Tony. I appreciate the breakdown there and, and some really good fundamental call outs. I, I like how you're looking deeper into the investor optimism and what that can do to a stock. And in this case, how we can create a trade around that uh, to give us a potential for an income opportunity. So appreciate that. Now, Jess, let's go back to you. What have you brought us this week? Yes, absolutely, Ashley. This week, I am looking at Disney. So they've already reported earnings, and they shifted to a promise of value with a clear path to profitability, which is oh so important, in my opinion, is that clear path to profitability certainly speaks to management of a company. So they successfully cut costs throughout its operations, and it looks like they're going to surpass their goal of saving $7.5 billion every year. This was from the earnings report. And they even raised their dividend by 50% and they're starting to pay it again, which is also a good sign in my opinion. Recently, they announced their intention to also buy back some shares, $3 billion worth to be exact. And they're going to do that in the fiscal year, this year, 2024. And it's the first time they're repurchasing shares since 2018. And generally that seemed positive from an investor perspective. Now, fundamentally, there are about 34 analysts that cover Disney. 76% of them have them as a buy. Their average target is $116, but that represents a potential upside of about 7.8%. They're trading at 13 times next year's earnings. They expect 3% revenue growth, but 23% EPS growth next year. So certainly something positive, in my opinion, from a fundamental perspective. If we look at the technicals in the chart of Disney, looking at that three-year chart, the 13, 26, and 40 weekly moving averages, they shift positive and they're indicating a bullish trading cycle. And now now, this is going to be our lower support, which is something I'm watching. Now, Disney has dropped to my upward support. So those weekly moving averages are going to be my lower. We've got one right above that support zone around 103 to 108, which I see Disney testing right now. But that combined with the dividend action, I really think is an opportunity for me to add Disney back to my longer term portfolio. So in order to do that, I am selling a cash secured put. 
It's going to be expiring March 28th. That creates an obligation for me to buy the stock at the stock price of 107. I'm going to get a premium of about 237. The risk, I'm going to maintain the same as stock ownership. If this moves adversely, I am going to have to buy 100 shares at 107, and that obligation could kick in at any time. However, I do get a discount because I'm going to keep that $2.37 premium that I'm receiving up front as soon as I place that trade. Thanks, Jess. Some thoughtful research and, and points here on both what we're seeing fundamentally with company decisions leading to ratings and the, the support levels to give us that bullish view. So thank you both for your ideas today. And Jess, can you tell us what to expect on next week's episode? Yeah, absolutely. We have got so many excuse me, economic events next week. They're nothing short of that. There is a lot of Fed speak and we have GDP, some consumer confidence, even some housing data and employment data. So a lot to digest next week as well. So really looking forward to it. Yeah, certainly next week will be a big one. But as for today, this brings us to a close. Thank you to all of our viewers for tuning in. And Tony and Jess, thank you as always for bringing us your thoughts and our trade ideas. Absolutely. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you so much, Ashley. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Happy to have you both. And to our audience, if you're interested in further details specific to Tony and Jess's trade ideas shared today, please join our midday market briefing tomorrow by visiting fidelity.com slash in the money follow up. And if you're looking for further insights or if you missed the live show, be sure to sign up for the Active Investor Weekly Newsletter to receive a highlight of the trades discussed. You can do that by visiting fidelity.com slash Active Investor Weekly. We'll see you back here next week for another episode of In the Money. Take care. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Options trading entails significant risk and is not appropriate for all investors. Certain complex option strategies carry additional risk. Before trading options, contact Fidelity Investments by calling 800-544-5115 to receive a copy of Characteristics and Risks of Standardized Options. Supporting documentation for any claims, if applicable, will be furnished upon request. There are additional costs associated with option strategies that call for multiple purchases and sales of options such as spreads, straddles, and collars as compared with a single option trade. Technical analysis focuses on market action, specifically volume and price. Technical analysis is only one approach to analyzing stocks. When considering which stocks to buy or sell, you should use the approach that you are most comfortable with. As with all your investments, you must make your own determination as to whether an investment in any particular security or securities is right for you based on your investment objectives, risk tolerance, and financial situation. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Greeks are mathematical calculations used to determine the effect of various factors on options. Views expressed are as of the date indicated, based on the information available at that time, and may change based on market or other conditions. Unless otherwise noted, the opinions provided are those of options play, and are not necessarily those of Fidelity Investments or its affiliates. Fidelity does not assume any duty to update any of the information. News, commentary, market data, and research reports are from third-party sources unaffiliated with Fidelity, unless otherwise noted, and are provided for informational purposes only. Fidelity does not endorse or adopt third-party content. Fidelity makes no guarantee that the information supplied is accurate, complete, or timely, and does not provide any warranties regarding results obtained from their use. Any screenshots, charts, or company trading symbols mentioned are provided for illustrative purposes only and should not be considered as an offer to sell, a solicitation of an offer to buy, or a recommendation for the security. Options, play, and fidelity investments are independent entities and are not legally affiliated. The third-party trademarks appearing herein are the property of their respective owners. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC.